Joining us on the program today, we have Bill Geist. He's with DMO Pros, but he was in Chickasha last night talking to the uh, Chamber of Commerce Annual Banquet. So, Bill, thanks for coming today. We really appreciate it. And uh, spending a little bit of time in Chickasha and uh, taking a look at what we've been doing over the last couple, three years. And... I guess we're doing pretty good. Yeah, and thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, as I was telling you earlier on, I discovered Chickasha through finding the Imaginaries on YouTube. And I loved that Christmas song. I loved what I saw in the video. And it was really exciting for me to, to touch base with the folks at the Chamber, Economic Development, Tourism, here to see, how are you guys doing all this? How, how are you viewing, positioning Chickasha on the world stage? And of course, now with the brand new movie out, that's it goes even farther than it did before. But uh, having you know one of the biggest light shows, having an amazing sports complex, all of it put together, um, we're really excited to be here. So uh, you've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just talk about uh, your history, and and you just kind of yeah. say, okay, X city. Yeah. This is this is what you might want to try. Right. Like a lot of us in destination marketing, which is a kind of fairly new subset of economic development, um, I stumbled into this business. Uh, used to be radio. And uh, in my hometown, uh, the brand new Convention and Visitors Bureau had formed. And I, I had just gotten married and inherited two kids. I needed to get a real job. <laughs> right? Right. Not that radio yes. is, and I loved radio. <laughs> but um, it, it was a perfect match for me. And it was promoting the town I loved, my hometown. Uh, and so I learned kind of the art and science of destination marketing there. Had the chance then in 1990 to go to Madison, Wisconsin, and totally uh, serendipitous. Uh, got there within a month of the mayor saying, hey, you know, we've got some old plans from Frank Lloyd Wright that I think might work for a convention center. So that was the next three or four years of my life was doing that. And then finally, when the uh, building started to come out of the water, because we built it on 1,600 piles over lake bed, um, I decided it was time to take what I had learned and uh, share it with other destinations. And so you're right, for the past 20-some years now, I've been uh, crisscrossing the country, working with destination marketing organizations, a lot on strategic planning, destination development, political advocacy, uh, less about the marketing and sales. I think there are some really, really talented people out there doing that kind of work. My work tends to be more under the hood and more destinational. How do we make this into a better place? And how do we communicate to a populace that oftentimes doesn't understand how important it is to be an attractive destination, that you need to get behind some of these ideas. And, and, and let's, let's take the experience up a couple notches, because in the end, it enhances quality of life for all of us. What's great is it just takes uh, one idea, mm -hmm. and that just kind of multiplies, and just you, you just never know. Well, and I can and tell then, you one yeah. of my favorite one-idea examples happened in the uh, early 80s, in Atlanta, Georgia, there was a guy there, a banker named Billy Payne. And Billy was in front of, I don't know, 300-some business people in Atlanta. And he uttered the now infamous words, hey, I think we should try and bid on the Olympics. And everybody in the room laughed. And he said it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And everybody laughed. Thought Billy was being a big jokester. It was, as the story goes, about three months later that another very well-influential-placed um, business person was in front of that same group of 300 and said, you know, I've been thinking about it. Billy's not crazy. We could do this. And they did. One person had this crazy idea, and he just socialized that idea to enough people. And I think that's one of the things that marks today's successful communities are ones that there is that, that seed of an idea that's just crazy enough 
and here in Chickasha, you know, I'm sure people thought 30 years ago that, you know, a light show was going to at Christmas time was 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 crazy, and yet look what it's become today, and that's really what I think we're uh, that's our message from last night, is is find those cool ideas, support them, and then the community grows. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be some uh, some setbacks. There's going to oh, be yeah. there's going to be people that say, like you said, you're crazy. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. and a lot of times. People believe that side, and just it just kind of drops by the wayside, and you know, never to never to arise again. Yeah, and but, that's uh, and that's unfortunate because I think, you know, the people who are really good at saying no, are really good at it, and they get the ear of city council or county board or other community leaders, and you know, the rest of us we assume, hey, that's a great idea, can't wait for that to happen, but then we don't make the call to city council or county board saying, hey. That's a really good idea. I hope you support it. And so all they hear from oftentimes are the no birds. And they don't realize that probably five times as many people actually support something that just doesn't get the momentum to get off the ground. And so, again, I think that communities that are getting more and more serious about supporting and advocating for, hey, let's fix that block or let's do something with that park. Um, I, I saw the plans for the uh, the new park near the uh, railroad tracks, and I think it looks great. And I'm really excited that, you know, starting to move down that path, doing some fundraising. And hopefully people will support that because that would change, you know, the facing street forever. Because what we find is is when a, um, a government, a community gets serious, especially in a downtown, but about any area in their community, and it's very clear that they're going to put some money into this, the private sector almost always follows and so can you imagine what the private sector does across the street from that park as that thing begins to uh, uh, come to life? You know, we've seen that over the last 20 years or so. We've seen so much uh, development uh, along Grand Avenue, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of new shopping centers going on out there. Uh, there's, there's still some other commercial development uh, that's uh, in the plans, some uh, residential areas, uh, you know, couple more hotels are even uh, in the plans here over the next uh, uh, couple, three years. And uh, we, so we've seen that happen really over the last 20 years here. Yeah, and really I think it's really stepped up, as you said, over the past three to five years. You're really starting to see, again, the private sector going, hey, here's an opportunity here downtown. Let's seize that. Let's get more into the culinary, more into entertainment, the arts and culture. All of that just makes this a, a much better place to raise a family um, and to showcase to other people, uh, we've got something really attractive here. And I think, you know, in the months and now the years after COVID, where we have seen a really rapid exodus from big metro areas, people now realize, hey, what, yeah, why am I in this rat race? Why am I putting up with all this congestion? Why am I putting up with these high prices for everything in the city? Wouldn't it be nice to kind of kick back and live in and around Chickasha and I can get downtown in 30, 40 minutes for anything that we don't have here. Uh, OKC, you mean downtown OKC, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And so that's something that Jim Cowan's been kind of touting, too. You know, I mean, we're just a few minutes away from Dallas or Oklahoma City or Tulsa or some Any of the of really them. big metro areas right. where they have the big name entertainment and the pro basketball or baseball teams or, or things like that. I'm not oh, saying I was ahead of the curve. Right. I grew up, I grew up in Kankakee, <laughs> Illinois, which is honestly a little bigger than Chickasha, but it's an hour in the shadow of Chicago. It lost. Well, we had 28 percent unemployment in the early '80s. We lost three major plants: two Ropers and one A.O. Smith, the largest one in the country. And you know that people 
are moving to Kankakee today because they want to get away from Chicago. And, and I loved it there the, in, during my time before I went to Madison because you're, you know, I was an hour away from White Sox games. I was an hour away from Broadway, downtown Chicago. What about Cubs? What about Cubs games? Yeah, I'm a a South Side boy. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can't mention one without the other sometimes. But (laughs) But always a Bears fan. There there you go. (laughs) go. (laughs) And you bring up a good point because you mentioned, you know, Chickasha is a smaller town, Mm -hmm. uh, but we're we're getting a lot more uh, venues where we've got live entertainment, uh, and we've had the community theater for a number of years now. Uh, our university has a great uh, fine arts program, uh, acting and painting and sculpture and all that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got some talent here, and uh, we just need to take advantage of that. Yeah, and that's really what I think uh, the the changing dynamic of today's what we call leisure travelers. So the leisure traveler, those who... Travel for leisure. Mm-hmm. They're not coming for a meeting or a convention or a sporting event or any of that stuff. It's you, you and somebody else, you and the family are out just to recreate. And there are two things that are really kind of uh, driving what the next three to five years is going to look like. And one of them is small downtowns that does that do rather have a culinary side, an arts side, um, a, a boutique shopping side. And then the other side of the coin is this new appreciation for outdoor recreation. I mean, during COVID, that was about all a lot of us could do was go out and hike the trails and, you know, paddle the river and just get out of the city. And people increasingly found they kind of liked it. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of Americans that have really not spent much time outdoors. And over the past couple of years, they are. So those are two things that obviously Chickasha has going for it. And, uh, you know, it's it's you're very well positioned, I think, to take advantage of of the next probably decade of growth throughout this region. Uh, and there's uh, talk about some more residential property mm-hmm. uh, downtown. Uh, you know, again, we're talking about uh, end of the future. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a need for housing. And I think uh, the trend is, for the most part, for families to, to downsize a little bit. And uh, for some, when we were kids, you know, owning a home was the American dream. Well, and it's, it's, not that, it's not that anymore. It's not at that level. No, it isn't. And, and I think there is a, there's a, a migration away from downtown living in big cities. But in a small town, downtown living still feels spaced out. It doesn't feel cramped. And it does put you within walking distance, hopefully, of grocery, of dining, of retail. And you get in your car as little as possible. And I think that's even more sustainable for the community in all kinds of ways. So, yeah, I I think that uh, the residential downtown opportunities, uh, it's a yin and yang. Uh, We need residents to support the businesses 24-7. But we need the visitors to come in and essentially be the profit mm-hmm. center right. for these businesses. And I'm sure you've heard about the Grady County Fairgrounds mm-hmm. and uh, the the great activities they oh. have and the crew the, the recruitment they bring in that's really big responsible for a lot of tourism here. In oh, the area. and especially during COVID, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't stop. There were there's not a lot of uh, convention or fairgrounds that kept going at the pace that yours did. And again, it's just one more piece of the puzzle that just the way you think here. Um, and I got to tell you, I've, uh, one of our clients um, historically over the past decade or so has been uh, Visit Tulsa. And maybe it's an Oklahoma thing. I don't know. But Visit Tulsa broke records for signing conventions and events the past two years. Most destination marketing organizations hit the pause button. 
<laughs> not, not visit Tulsa. Tulsa. Hmm. They didn't. And so they're going to benefit now from having events uh, and, and meetings and conferences coming in in 24, 5, and 6, whereas the people who are just getting back on the horse today and other destination marketing organizations will be selling for 27, 8, and 9. So there's going to be a hole there. And that didn't happen here, and it didn't happen in Tulsa. And, you know, we, we don't need the big conventions here. Mm, no. But, uh, you know, we could use the small ones. From mm-hmm. time, We've got plenty of, uh, you know, facilities with the fairgrounds, university, our career tech. Uh, center. So, well, frankly, yeah, you don't want the big conventions exactly because yeah. that's going to change your quality of life mm-hmm. here. I mean, there are a number of destinations, uh, partially because of COVID, uh, that now are experiencing too many visitors. Now, that hasn't happened here yet, but it won't happen as long as you make sure that the events that you bring to town are right sized. Because the last thing you want to do in a tourism economy or a visitor economy is make living there untenable for the residents. At the end of the day, that's I think the new realization in destination marketing is you know, when I got into this business a million years ago, the, the client, if you will, was the hotel. Our job was to fill the hotels. That's why we, we existed in destination marketing. And then we began to think, oh, well, you know, really, that's not the client. The client is the meeting planner or the traveler, because if they're happy, then they will spend the night and then the hoteliers are happy too. And now I think we've understood that, you know who the real client is? It's the people who live here. At the end of the day, why do we do what we do? We do it to increase non-resident tax revenues into city and county coffers. We do it to generate jobs, new business starts, things that we can all enjoy. And that's, that's about residents. And so, I, some of your listeners may be familiar with Simon Sinek. He wrote a book called Start With Why. And in the book, he had done a bunch of research on successful corporations. And he found that the most successful corporations are the ones that didn't start with what they were going to make or do, but why they were going to make and do it. And so he uses the computer industry as a metaphor in many of his books. And he says, Michael Dell set out to make a great computer. Steve Jobs set out to change the world. Okay. Right. So why am I talking computers and tourism? I look at it the same way is that in the old days, we started with what? Let's fill some hotel rooms. But today it's why. And again, it's back to quality of life. And how do we do it is we string all these great experiences together in, in town and around town. And oh, by the way, the last consideration is we got a bunch of great hotels. You don't have to go home tonight. You can stay and stay the weekend. Have some fun with us. Enjoy what we've built. And then think about coming and joining us at some point in time. You know, mm-hmm. I, As I said, 10 to 15% of those people who see a tourism ad are more likely to start a business and move to a town than those who don't see a tourism ad. So this is more than just tourism. This is really quality of life. And we don't have to have something every weekend. No. You know, once no. a month might even be too much. But uh, um you know, but it's good to have some type of activity that'll bring folks to yeah. to our area. I, I think it's as much activity as your residents want. And if they'd like to see something once a month, great. If they think that they'd rather see something every other week, that's great too. I, I think it really, what we have to do in every one of our destinations is better understand the culture of our residents and what would make this a better place to live. I mean... All of us say, if we only had, or if we didn't have, yeah. the, the big know, if. It, would be yes. a, it would be the best place in the world, mm-hmm. except for that one wart. And, you know, 
as long as we address those, uh, in the work that we do, we are always asking residents through online surveys, focus groups, what would make this a better place to live? Not what would make this a better place to visit. What would make this a better place for you to live here? And you know, oftentimes they'll say, well, you know, I want more arts and culture, or I want more uh, independent restaurants, or I, you know, whatever it may be. You say, okay, that's, now we know what you want, and those are the same things that visitors want. Let's try and put that all together. So um, you do these presentations uh, often, obviously? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, crisscrossed the country before COVID. I was probably on the road about 180 days. Uh, each year. And uh, so we, we, we balance it between speaking engagements like this for annual dinners and lunches and, and, and the same. Um, we do some state tourism conferences from time to time, some municipal league conferences. But really our, our bread and butter is really the consulting work that we do. When we come into a community, we immerse ourselves into their culture and try to figure out, okay, what is that next thing? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be something as simple as, you know something, we got to do a better job with the signage that directs people from one attraction to the next. And it was funny, I was in Norman a number of years ago, and the guy from the Weather Museum, um, he looked at me when I said he had a signage problem. <laughs> and he goes, son, and he pulls out his GPS phone, and he goes, haven't you ever used one of these? <laughs> and I go, listen, here's the deal. Most people coming to Norman are coming for the game. So, yeah, they already have the stadium in their GPS. But if there's not a sign saying the Weather Museum is this way, they're never going to know you're here because they were just coming from the game. I said, GPS is wonderful if you know where you're going. But if you don't know that Chickasha has six or seven other cool things, you need signs. Well, and there's one, you know, on Chickasha uh, that says sports complex, turn mm -hmm. right. Yep. Right. So that's, that's the example of saying, hey, I never would have known that you had a sports complex had I not seen that sign. Because that's not right. why. That's not why I came to town. Mm -hmm. right. And there's one uh, for the the Verdon Separate School. Right. You saw yep. that one. Yep. That's a great, uh, uh, great uh, event that uh, brings folks to, yeah. to to the town. It's a great educational tool, and uh, just a, a Grady County, uh, just a, a treasure that was just kind of found accidentally. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've done really, really well with that. Yeah, yeah, and th that's just it. We as a people have so many different affinities. I was telling a group uh, earlier today over at the uh, Chamber of Commerce that there is a market in the meetings and conventions sphere uh, that is known as Smurf. Smurf. Okay, and it's not little blue guys, <laughs> right? It's social, military, educational, reunion, fraternal. Those are affinity groups. So, I mean, it's, I think we, th we think of conventions as these big corporate things. Mm -hmm. But there are people who like to collect playing cards. There are people who like to, to do all kinds of different affinity things that it, maybe there's a hundred of you in the state, right? Mm -hmm. But it'd be great to get together. Um, I remember one time I was, um, I felt horrible for this guy. I was in Albany, New York, and my assignment kept me over the weekend. So I, I had meetings on Thursday, Friday, and then I had some more meetings on Monday, Tuesday. So I didn't mind spending the, that. Albany's a great town. And I'm staying at a hotel, and next door is a cigar shop. And it was closed on both Saturday and Sunday. And I kind of scratched my head, and I thought, that's odd. But in that part of town, if there wasn't an event at that hotel, there wasn't a lot of action over there. So I, I totally get why he would close it. You know, I'm sure he's a solo guy and he's doing his own thing. He needs some time off. Right. Except there was a military reunion there that weekend. 
which is like he could make his whole year on the cigars he would have sold to those guys. He didn't know the convention was in town. Oh, my. And so that's the thing, is, is there are these, these really interesting small groups that kind of are under the radar that we need to know. They're coming to town, and let's try and figure out how we connect them with whatever it is that, that they would find exciting. And it may be something that you and I would say, really? Mm-hmm. They're going to do that? But for them, they've hit the jackpot. Great. Bill, appreciate your time this morning. Hey, Thanks thank so much. Uh, good to see you. And um, keep your eye on Chickasha because oh, uh, you know we got something going on here. So you do. appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Geist with us on our program today.